It is Friday, June 8th, 2018. My name's Anthony, and I'm here with Michael, and this is Time Lapse, the podcast where cars and watches are the focus, but tangents are often the reality. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome back. Yes, after uh, a long, uh, a very, break. very, very long time. What was it three weeks? Um, the May seventeenth. Okay, yeah, that was the last one. So we are now. It's June eighth. Yeah. So welcome back to yeah. our incredibly inconsistent and unprofessional podcast. Well, let's call it more of a hobby at this point, Mikey. Less of a podcast, <laughs> more of a hobby. But you know what? We still love doing it. Is that right? Am I speaking for both of us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 We still love doing it, so we'll be around for a long, long time until life gets more complicated, I'm sure. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I'm happy to be back. we got a hell of a lot we can talk about. Not, you know, I was thinking the other day, not much ha- has happened in the, um, the car world and the watch world. Yes. But within the last week or so, there's been quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah a, lot of, uh, a lot of news, like, new, like related stuff. Less releases, but a lot of news. Um, and we're definitely going to dig into that, but before we get into that, it's been three weeks. Has anything changed in your life? Anything, uh, anything different, anything going on? Me? Mm-hmm. You know, Anthony, I lead a boring life. Well, I wouldn't say that cause I drove your S5 today and that thing's uh, an insanely exciting car. I, I really do. I haven't driven it in a long time. I think today was the first time in a week and a half. Hmm. Yeah. Sounds fantastic. Honestly, one of, I, I, I'll just tell the, the listeners now what, uh, what I did. When I when you put that thing in second gear because it has the paddle shifter so you can select a gear and it'll hold a gear. Yep. Which was nice. Uh, I had it in second gear and you were driving my Accord, so I figured I'll I'll let you hear this thing. Full I've never tilt heard it before. In second, man. Yeah, the, I've I've owned it for almost three years now, it, and yeah. I have yet to hear anybody else driving it. It honestly sounds like a sporty V8 going through a tunnel. And have you, I don't want to. You ever been with me driving through a tunnel? No. It, it's incredible. You want to go find a tunnel after? We should. I think we should. I think we have to. Uh, it, it's an, ask our mutual friend Alex. Yeah, it's incredible. No, that that, that thing. Uh, I have to say, for a a V six, that is one of the best sounding V sixes I've heard. And for those of you that don't know, it does have an aftermarket exhaust, AWE yeah. track exhaust. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's modified. When when people hear this, because I'm assuming that that proper car car people listen to our podcast. I know it sounds like a lot to say that's the best V6 exhaust note I've ever heard. However, it is, it has to be one of the sportiest, it, like V6s naturally don't sound good. I had a full exhaust on my Accord. Yep. It sounded, it sounded interesting. And I think a lot of Nissans and Infiniti V6s, the we'll VQ, suit, yeah. they sound interesting. They sound, they sound sporty and stuff, but the way that the, the sound resonates with that exhaust on your car awesome it sounds so much when you get into the high rpms and you're really winding it out it, yeah it starts to scream bike like yeah like a almost like min like, i don't know if i should be saying like mini supercar like i and you know what i mean and it might sound thing. stupid because it's it's a small little coupe yeah. but like yeah it, it, like regular car guys like people who have driven like uh obviously more performance oriented oriented cars will hear that and be and scoff and say like, supercar you know yeah, but yeah. honestly hear it it sounds fantastic, and and uh, you're probably used to this. You drive it every day, but when I was driving it, mm, I drove by. So much. <laughs> well, 
I, I drove by um, what I thought was an was an event, or you told me later it was a hurricane. Um, Performante. Performante, yeah. yeah. And, and the guy turned, both the people in their cars turned their heads. Now, I don't know if that was to be like, Just oh. Because, or because it was loud. loud but yeah. still, they both, it's a head turner. And man, it is it is a joy to drive. Yeah. Uh, you are very, uh, you are very um, blessed to, to have that vehicle. So. Well, thank you. Hopefully you keep it. We'll see. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's a joy. The one thing though that I was reflecting on, it would have been a bit more rewarding manual. And I know that that's not for everyone. That's right. a personal thing for me. I think to be able to make that sound with a manual transmission would have been a little bit more rewarding. Again, there's there's of a, course. a great counter argument to that. But for some people, like I drive stick every day. Yep. I I would love to be able to make those noises and do it at my right. own uh, at my own thing. Um now, obviously, in my specific situation, you okay with it? yeah, I got a little, got a little yeah. congestion a little going little on. Schmutz. Yeah, seasonal allergies. Um, continue. In my specific position, when I was looking for a new vehicle at the time, I was driving a F one fifty daily, mm-hmm. um, an FX twenty thirteen FX four with the appearance package. You know, super cool. Of course, the appearance. Package. Oh yeah. Um, I was looking for something more sporty, something to daily. Keep that in mind. Daily, we live in Canada. Um, and when I found the, I actually went into the dealership looking for an SQ five. That is a dog. That is my dog, Vincenzo. And I'm, I'm about to, I'm about to go domestic on his ass. No. Give me one second. Nah, we'll, 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 we'll keep him quiet. Anyways, I'm going to continue on. Oh, quiet. <laughs> Vince. Quiet. Yes. He's named after, um. Vin, Vinny Guadalupe from Gu- Guadalino or something like that from, from Jersey Shore. From yes, Jersey Shore. The, the early 2010s were a different time. Um, I mean, it's back. It is back. Yeah, and and just as dumb as it as it always was. Yeah. But anyways, um, I originally was in the market for an, a small SUV, so I went to go look at the SQ5. Mm-hmm. And when I got into the dealership, our local dealership, Faf Audi in uh, Vaughn. Shout out. Uh, free free shouts for shout outs. Um. I saw an S5 there in Nagaro blue and it was lowered on the HRE springs and it had the AWE exhaust, essentially exactly what I did to my car. Mm-hmm. And I saw it there and I was like, and I looked at the, at the window sticker, same price as the SQ5. And I was like, Hmm. So I, so I decided to inquire in that and I ended up going with that and knowing that I was d- daily driving it winter, summer, long drives to work, whatnot. That's why I went with automatic. And again, like that, the counter argument is always going to be the cars that are that are as refined as your car and are as practical as your car. It, it's make insanely more sense capable. Yeah, it's a super capable car. To drive all year round in Canada. Um, and I think if I was like right now, I'm driving it only in the summer. Mm-hmm. And I think if I was in that position now, I would have probably went for the manual transmission. Yeah. Although I do find using the paddles very satisfying when you for get sure. those instant downshifts and instant upshifts and the little crackles that it makes and whatnot. And I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's Maybe that's totally me justifying opinion. it, but it, it's just one of those things that you can argue uh, for hours. You can argue the merits of both. And honestly, it comes down to what your personal preference is. I drive manual every day. So when I get in a car like that, the first thing I think about is, is, you know, cause I enjoy driving manual. The first thing I think about is that, but 
no, that that's to say the whole time I drove it, I was using the paddles and they worked more than fine. You know, I wanted yeah. to hear that. I wanted to hear that high RPM scream and I got it instantly, you know, didn't have no fuss, no muss. It mm. was perfect. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to bring that up. That was fantastic. I'm happy that you get to drive it a bit more now Weather, the weather's getting nice. You can enjoy it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, as far as, uh, well, everyone here knows I went on vacation and I did make a purchase on vacation. If you follow our Instagram, then you will know what I purchased. I will speak about that later when we get to the watch uh, portion. Little teaser. Mm-hmm, little teaser. Um, but uh, otherwise, since I got back, I've uh, been tinkering around the Vespa, another Vespa story. It's just been... Um, it's been a. I think it's. it's a, I think it's a little bit of a love hate relationship. With it the is. Vespa. It honestly is. But I have to say, uh, was it two nights ago? I decided to. I, I ordered a new uh, oil filter cover because I broke my original one. Um, and when I went to go replace it, I noticed that the oil wasn't leaking from the oil filter cover. It was actually leaking from the drain bolt. So I torqued down the drain bolt a bit more, yep. and I haven't really had the chance to run it hard. When it runs hard, the oil heats up and becomes more um, viscous or less viscous. So it tends to to leak at that point. So I still have to run it to see if that fixed it. But I'm just happy to see that that my makeshift oil filter cover is holding the oil back. Uh, I I am probably going to sell the Vespa, and uh, when I do, I will obviously make the current or the next owner aware of all of its issues. Uh, issues again that I have addressed, and and I've learned a lot with that bike. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually just fixed the brake light. I, I saw the contact, you know, I've learned so much about how, uh, electrical stuff works on these things, how, how you torquing, how important torquing things down are. And that's something that you just don't learn when you're, when you're working on Japanese things, because Japanese things are very straightforward. Yeah. Very so you, easy. You don't really have to have to really get into the thick of it. You're not spending, you know, 30, 45 minutes trying to solve a problem with Japanese things for the most part. Um, but when you're dealing with something like this, where, you know, a lot of a An lot Indian of Indian-made uh, Vespa. Yes. Well, as as most of them were, and a lot of people don't know this, but you know your Italian Vespa has a lot of Indian parts on it. LML. It's an Indian-based company. They recently went bankrupt. You know, God rest them, rest their souls. But uh, they made a lot of of stuff for Piaggio. Anyway, that's something you just don't get if you're working on Japanese things or German things. You don't you don't have to get resourceful. Uh, something that the Vespa really taught me, and I and I gotta say, this love hate relationship, this beautiful beautiful nightmare. Uh, we are it, hearing some things. Yeah, did you hear that? They're doing. They are doing. Oh, landscaping. there's construction. Yeah. That's a machine driving by. Yeah, they're doing landscaping at my neighbor's house, uh, and we had to choose the my basement today. Uh, just uh, out of out of uh, out of we needed a place to to do it. Um, but uh, but yeah, otherwise. So the Vespa is basically all good to go. I just have to adjust a clutch cable, and uh, it's basically ready um, to for me to enjoy the next month and a half. And, uh, and then that's when it parts. Well, yeah. I, again, I'm going to look for a seller, but the insurance will be up July 22nd, and I'm, pro- I'm not going to renew it. I actually uh, just signed the forms to cancel the insurance policy and not instead of renewing it. Did you pay like a some fee for no, that? No, no. Oh, it was just a one-year contract. Yeah, one year, it's done. Um, and I found out that I will also not be riding the Honda this year. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. It's, they're asking too much uh, right now. Insurance-wise. Insurance-wise. Yeah. I'm 24 years old, and in Canada, the way they put you in an age bracket, so at 24, I'd be paying almost double, uh, more than, sorry, more than double um, 
because I'm 24. Once I turn 25, my rates drop significantly. Right. Also, I have three prior convictions, uh, two for speeding, one for a stop sign infraction. Because I have three, I get put into a high risk category. If once I have two, right, when one of them gets forgotten, which will be next year, I get dropped into regular insurance. That changes everything as well. So they told me right now to insure that bike would be $5,000. Not about to do that. Um, so I'll wait a year and it drops down to about 1600 which I am much more comfortable yeah. with. Uh, so yeah, I won't be riding the the CB this year, uh, but it's okay because it gives me another year to work out the Hopefully and in a year it'll be done. Hopefully, yeah, uh, it should be. I can't wait to tell the guys at Motorcycle Enhancements uh, this news. I'm sure they're going to be like, oh, thank God. We can hmm. leave these. We can, we have a whole winter to figure out the electrical bugs, but it's more worth it. It's For me, it's more worth it. No, it's that. it's not worth $5,000. No, that, that's no, crazy. definitely not. And I have nothing but time. I'm in no rush to get this thing on the road. I, I It's a nut and bolt restoration. It'll just so. be displayed in my office. If you're if down, you, yeah. If you guys would like to come see it, anybody, yeah. it'll be on display. It's a pretty bike um, for sure. So yeah, there's that, and uh, yeah, so that that's what's been going on with me, really. Uh, other current events, Canadian-wise, we do have the Montreal Grand Prix starting. Oh yeah, yeah. This week, uh, actually, practices were three hours ago, and I didn't even see the results because we were busy. Who are you? Who are you expecting to do well this year? It's Montreal? actually interesting because um, the past years Mercedes dominated, oh, of course, um, and this year we have pretty well a three-way tie between mercedes red bull and ferrari it's very it's pretty competitive yes um so it's interesting to see who am i expecting to do well um i think ricardo i want i want red bull to do well yeah but i don't think they'll they'll come out no um but i i do think ricardo in the coming years will win yeah like he'll he'll be a championship yeah yeah who win the championship he's on Um, he's on track for that yeah yeah he's a he's a really good driver even i don't know if you saw in monaco um how he held up vettel i mean vettel had tire issues but uh for more than half the race he was down i think a good 10 percent of his power Mm -hmm. um and he held he held up first first position the whole race yeah Uh, it was really impressive really good um verstappen eh, he's I want I want him to do well, but it's hard to watch him because he's young. He makes stupid mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, so what can you do? Yeah, and he's getting frustrated because all of his interviews are, "Oh, well, this crash, this crash. Well, why weren't you smarter here?" And he's starting to show that he's getting fed up with people talking really? about him. And yeah, well, I mean that comes with age too. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see how he. But he, yeah, he's races for Ferrari, right? No, Red Bull. Red Bull. He's oh, my Ricardo's uh, teammate. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize. Uh, but I think Ricardo's coming off of a contract this year, and so is Hamilton. Okay. So it's interesting to see what will happen there if Hamilton renews. I don't think Ricardo will stay with Red Bull. No. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. But they they are very. It's, it's they're competitive. They're they're yeah. up there. They're the top three. They're one of one of. Um, sure. So we'll see what happens. But Canada should be an interesting race. It's a For much sure, better yeah. track than Monaco. Monaco's cool because it's got the heritage and whatnot, but it's it's a hard track. There's not a lot of passing. Mm-hmm. Um, Verstappen showed that you can pass mm-hmm. if you're, I was going to say if you have enough balls, mm-hmm. but maybe it's just uh, well, I always ir- responsibility. I always remember that. Uh, there's always there's a famous clip of Senna passing, uh, and I don't even, I think he was passing in the rain at, in Monaco. It might have not been in the rain, but mm-hmm. there, I mean, the, the famous footage, everyone's seen it, but yep. it, it's, it's an interesting course for great drivers to show what, what they're, what they're made of. A lot of people want to get rid of it. Yeah. Really. Um, because it's boring. 
It, not yeah. not a lot happens. It, it, but I think it's pretty cool. It's got the heritage. It's, it's an event. Beautiful yeah, course. Yeah, exactly. When you're watching hockey, mm-hmm. for example, you know we're we'll talking about hockey. Mm-hmm. When you're watching hockey, is every single game. Oh, that was a beautiful game. Uh, amazing. There were so many highlights. This and that. No, there's boring games. It yeah, ends up there's, there's there's ties. Yeah. It's just that when it's a race, it's not as often. There's mm-hmm. not as many games, so people notice these little things. And yeah. I don't know. I I don't see why they should get rid of it. Um, but that's just people saying yeah. they want to get rid of it. Well, for sure. Yeah. But um, anyways, we'll see what happens here. Yeah, and that's on Sunday. We're recording this Friday. That'll be on Sunday. Yeah, two yeah. days from now. Very yep. cool. Um, but you know what? Why don't we transition into a little bit of automotive uh, discussion? I think one of the biggest stories that, that came out, Motor Trend, famous for doing um, you know great comparison tests, very thorough tests. Mm-hmm. Decided we've, we've seen comparisons from these yes. uh, four individuals. Quite often. I think, and we've actually spoken about them quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, of course, we're talking about the hot hatch um, gangbang over here. Uh, okay. The, the Focus RS, uh, Subaru Type RA, Civic Type R, and Golf R. Uh, Too many R's. A lot. They're I mean, all R's. Literally all R's. Uh, but it, it should be mentioned that the RA is the newest of, of these of this bunch. Um, uh, the RA is new yes, for it is, this yeah. year. Uh, when we say new. Fa- ba- barely facelifted, a minor facelift, minor I, suspension I wouldn't even tweaking. consider it a, a facelift at all. It's more of here's a new trim. Yes, exactly. Um, but it is supposed to be the the greatest offering that that the manufacturer can can give us. Uh, we we Subaru. did we did go in depth with the when the yes. release of the RA came out. Um, just a little thing. It's yeah. they did they set a record mm-hmm. with an actual race car. Yes, and then they made a production WRX well limited. Mm-hmm. Um, and threw that badge on it and expected big sales. But I mean, we both, we both agreed at that point too little too late, uh, at this, oh, yeah. um, for this generation of, of WRX. And I think that this, um, this generation WRX STI, it was, it was failed from the start. Uh, if they had, if they had put time and energy into you a think new right motor, from the beginning, yes, because you had the WRX underneath the STI, they right. had the new motor in and that motor was very capable. It was D two like it was meant to, to be less powerful and, yeah, and less course. capable than the STI, but this STI motor that that is in this car and in the all the STIs out there on the road, which there seems to be a ridiculous amount mm-hmm. of, that is a two generation old engine. That it, honestly, yes, ter- it's turbocharged and it's a flat four and and it has advantages over the other engines here. But if you look at all of these other vehicles, the the Focus RS was uh, was basically envisioned and designed within the last three or four years yeah same thing with the civic type r and the golf r has been has been wrenched and fettled with for the last years decade. years years so if subaru plans on dominating uh this segment like they yeah. had for the past generations then they really have to step it up and they failed with this generation and it's y- a good car but it's not leading uh, class leading no any means yeah um and the thing is when when ford released the rs they came out swinging hard yeah and um, the Type R obviously wasn't around at that mm-hmm. time, um, and that allowed Honda that that allowed the un- other manufacturers to say, "Hey, we need to step up our game." And I think yeah. Honda delivered. Ha- yeah, Honda's been been uh, being quiet. They've been quiet. Sorry for especially multiple in North America. generations of yeah. vehicles. Yeah, like we when we were growing up, and and you know when we were in our teens, Honda had really nothing. They had 
the last Type R we saw was well, actually we never saw a Type R. We, they were imported Type Rs yep. from Europe and Japan, but we never saw a North American Type R. Then the most we had was probably like a Civic or a Accord, uh, like a Civic SI, a Civic SI with yeah. like an HFP package, exactly, um, or the Accord with the HFP package. Yeah. But they're just appearance packages, exactly. Appearance, appearance packages, and I mean the SIs were a dime a dozen, but the Accords were rare, right? And we, even yep. my car, no one really knows what it is. No one really considers it. It's only in recent times people have been looking back, yep. saying you know this is a good value you know for, for what it, what it is but um yeah like having having the focus rs come out having the the type r come out and uh, and the golf r being so good at what it does yeah should have made subaru give a little bit more for this last iteration this final iteration of the uh this generation sti they didn't but- and so they didn't, but they're trying again. They're trying again, yeah. With so what, what unfortunately, is it here? Uh, 2019. 2019 Subaru WRX and STI Series Gray. Okay, I gotta say, not a fan of the. Hold color. on, wait, wait. Series dot gray. Keep that series in mind. dot gray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, the last there's, there's time I saw a there. series in the name of a trim, the Scion. Uh, when Scion was still alive, I mean, they would seven release, series, release all of series. Well, no, but I mean like in a special edition form. Oh. Um, Scion had their special edition cars called Release Series and then a number. Um, yeah, we're Scion reminiscent. now. Well, they're dead. <laughs> uh, but I mean, looking at this car, I don't know. It, so it's it's basically an RA, I guess. Um, but it's the final. And they released a new color. Yes. That's all I can take from this. Yeah. And they're releasing 250. Yeah. So Of the STI. Is there anyone really looking to get this car? I, I don't I don't know. You know who, who's going to get this car? The Someone fans. going into the dealership saying, I'd like to buy a WRX STI. And they say, yeah. ooh, well, we have this special edition. Yeah. They say, what's the price difference? And they say, not that much. Okay, I'll take it. I'm pretty sure the dealers are going to have to sell this at, 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 at the regular STI price. Yeah, no one's going to buy these. I don't know who's they, they're trying to them. limit them to sell, to push sales, but it's not doing That's anything. what they are, yeah. These are these are the re- the remaining RAs that, that they're trying. I mean, okay, before we go that deep, are they actually the RAs? Uh, I, I, you know what? Manual. I didn't even look at that, but I don't see why it wouldn't be. Six-speed mail transmission, uh, cars come dressed. Oh, um. Oh, because, yeah, it's both WRX and STI. Yeah. Uh, comes with LED fog lights, d- different Recaro seats with pa- driver power adjustment. It means oh, only, the wow. dri- only the driver's seat has power adjustment. That's like my car. Uh, but, you know, steering responsive LED headlights. My mom's 2006 Lexus had that. Um, it's an STI model with a sportier Bilstein suspension setup and Brembo brakes. So basically the RA. The RA had the sportier yep. suspension setup. Yep. Um, I mean, th- that's cool. It, it is what it is. Push button start. Yeah. That's impressive. You know, I think it's more of a, this is more of a jump for the WRX owners than it is for the STI owners. Because the WRX really only had the WRX trim. Uh, but now you can get the WRX in this uh, series gray edition. You get better brakes sure. and better suspension. So it, it's it, a disappointment. It, it, is, uh, it is. The Subaru needs to do something, and we and we should. They they are right. Twenty twenty. We've seen their. There's concept. been some it's concepts. Be yep. big. I had a I had a buddy of mine tell me they're going to pump four hundred and fifty horsepower out of the twenty twenty STI, which isn't far that far of a stretch. Considering recently there's been talks of the Golf R getting four hundred horsepower. If the for Golf twenty twenty. So I was just thinking because you did mention that before. If the Golf R gets four hundred horsepower. And you you made the point they'd probably be taking the power plant out of the RS four no, or RS three. Yep, that's a five pot. That's a five cylinder turbo. The RS 3s engine, mm, and they're talking this is going to stay as a four cylinder. 
So I I don't think that I I didn't hear fit. that I didn't hear that anywhere. I just assumed logically, yeah. okay, old Audi technology mm. trickling down into Volkswagen makes sense. Yeah, um, similar sized vehicle, what whatnot. But no, most of the speculations say it will remain a four cylinder. Yeah, and, and given the fact that we know what the aftermarket the aftermarket can do with that, uh, I think it's a two liter, uh, two liter, two liter four cylinder. Yep. Yeah, in the in the Golf R. Yep. Um, we know that these cars are capable of right. Insane it's endless of power. For, for aftermarket. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it, it you just, can get six hundred horse out of a GTI easy. Yeah. Um, cheap. Cheap, cheap well, relatively well. cheap, but well. that you're still dumping at the end of the day eight thousand dollars in upgrades into the car, into a car that's supposed to cost below you know, just over forty thousand dollars. Eight thousand is a lot. You're spending an additional a GTI yeah, about forty thousand Canadian, uh, thirty-five to forty. Okay, well, wait, wait, wait. R probably R, closer to a little closer to fifty. Geez, okay. I think so still wow. an expensive endeavor, nonetheless. Um, pretty, but, pretty. Hold, I'm gonna stop yeah. you right there. Golf R, my brother has one. Yeah. Um, pretty fun oh for i sure. drove it for like yeah. five minutes mm. total five but minutes. It's, it's pretty punchy and, and the fact that it's so small and like nimble does it, it's does like, it feel faster than your s5 no 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 huh because i would i would hope that it would feel because it, it you'd assume it'd be a little it, bit lighter you can like you can it's it's very nimble and mm. like kind of like go-kartish yeah because it's so small yeah um i didn't get enough time to drive it i see okay but pretty pretty punchy yeah. Yeah. Um, but back to the original story here, the yep. Motor Trend compared these cars, you know, regardless of, of whether Subaru had something to show or, or not, um, Motor Trend had this comparison test, and this is going to be the, the indefinite comparison test uh, of this generation, right? This is the only time that we're going to have them all on a, on a relatively even keel because 2020, uh, there are plans for new models for the for the uh, Subaru, um, for the STI. Uh, by 2020, the RS will likely not be produced anymore, and I'm sure there's going to be a different iteration Golf R. So this will be the final iteration um, comparison test for these models. That's why it's important. And as a Honda fanboy, I'd like to point it out as being a very good comparison test because the Civic Type R won. Hmm. Of course. We've, now, we've, we've seen... Wow. That was, a, that was an espresso burp. Jeez. Nice. Keep, that, um, keep that over on your side of the table. You hear those tracks? Those up are there? loud. Yeah, those are loud. Machines. We apologize. Um, We're in the basement. Too. Where was I going with this? Oh, we've seen these cars compared so many times, and I think I have yet to see anybody say that any one of those three cars are better than the Type R. No, no. Um, the only people that will again, I work in a Honda dealership, and I work with two guys who who own STIs. Um, so we constantly have this back and forth. Look, it's obvious. The other, the three other cars in this test are all-wheel drive, and you're spending fifty thousand dollars. A lot of people can't get over that hump with the, with the Type R that you're spending fifty grand and only you're only getting front-wheel drive. However, if you enjoy driving a car, sometimes all-wheel drive isn't always the best option. Rear and front-wheel drive do offer, uh, you know, a good compromise because they make the car lighter and they also make the car have a different handling characteristic. Right. What 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 Honda did with the Type R was they took it a step further by not just making it light and and fun. They also made it insanely capable. And and Motor Trend says like they give they gave the Type R the the W here, but not just because of what everyone always says about it. They even talk about in their testing fastest lap time. Now, uh, not just fastest lap time, which we we've heard before that the that the um, Civic Type R is a great track car. Yep. On top of that. 
in their testing, in their performance testing for lateral grip, it matched the Focus RS. That means you have a front-wheel drive car, which should be 306 horsepower to the front wheels, which should be prone to significant understeer, mm-hmm. was able to match the the lateral grip of an all-wheel drive Focus RS, which apparently is supposed to have a super fun and crazy all-wheel drive setup. You got to remember all all the arrow on the on the Type R. But this is lateral grip in a Figure Eight. You're you're what are you traveling? 40 or, or 60 uh, kilometers an hour. Like it, I guess it's not, it's not, I don't think it's the arrow there. I think it's the insane suspension engineering that mm-hmm. Honda did. And as a Honda fanboy, I'm happy to see that, that suspension make its way over to the uh, Accords, the two liter Accord. You have the same knuckle really? setup, oh, I believe. Cool. Don't quote me on that. Oh, not engineer, but I'm pretty sure because Ooh. they put, they put it, they put the same two liter in. And they put the manual uh, gearbox out of the Type R. I'm pretty sure yep. that it has the same set. You know what? It does because I saw reviews and I've driven it myself. The torque steers is almost eliminated. Like, I couldn't feel See, it. That's one thing that I noticed driving your car. And we talked yeah. about this a little bit. Um, the, the power in, in your Accord, there's not that much less power than in my S5. Mm-hmm. It's just that for me, I've, I've never driven a front wheel drive car. Well, what, are, what have I driven? A rear wheel drive trucks yeah. or rear wheel drive uh, the Hyundai Genesis yeah. Coupe, which was a rear-wheel drive, and my S5, which is all-wheel drive. Yes. Um, I'm not used to that. So when I'm driving in my car, it just handles it so much better, or at least I think. No, no, you, you're right about that. Like, there's there's no doubt it's a more refined ride in, in, in any car that's not front-wheel drive. Yep. You're, you're going to have powered, uh, app, like, the application of the car's power better. Front wheel drive is cheaper, and that's the that's what makes it a good option. It's right. just simpler to make, and There's, that's probably the tipping point of what made the Type R cheaper than the RS. Yeah, yeah for oh, for sure. Yeah, um, but given the fact that they've so that was the one flaw to front wheel drive was the torque steer. Given the fact that Honda's engineered a way around it, now we're seeing the real merits of this vehicle. It's lighter. It is clearly a better performance. Uh, tool right yep. around a track it it goes around that the the focus rs has 40 about 40 horsepower to its advantage and all-wheel drive but the civic type r beats it on a track and randy popes to who motor trend that's their in-house uh, race car yep. driver he says it's the most track focused he's, it's the most it feels the most like a race car undeniable i mean given given that feeling right that it that it felt the most like a race car that's not what always wins these comparison tests uh, and, and if you guys read there, I, I definitely encourage anyone who's cross shopping these vehicles. And there are a lot of young people cross shopping these course. vehicles. They, they're expensive, but as far as performance cars, like these are the pinnacle, uh, I think for under 50,000. Yep. Um, there's there, if you're, if you're looking for, for a fun car under 50 grand, obviously there are, there are the domestic muscle cars that you can get, but you won't be able to get the full, the full beans muscle. It's not cars. really in the same same segment because i would almost put the muscle cars into the same comparison as not as i don't think as much power but like your accord yeah um like a uh an like an a5 s5 you're right like the, the larger s5 coupes, yeah sure. yeah um you know what i mean there's nothing mm-hmm. else like this and what competes with these cars are something like a gla 45 mm-hmm. um uh, an RS3, and, and those are substantially more expensive. Yes. Yeah. Um, now, with these rumored horsepower increases, that would bring them closer in power, Yeah. which is all the better because I assume they'll maintain that lower price point. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it, there's nothing else out there like this, giving yes. this this performance, this power, 
at this price point. Yes, that's true. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, as far as it, it, you know, reading a comparison test like this, and uh, you know, it sounds like I am a Honda fanboy, and that's why I'm bringing it no, up. No, no, you are, but not, with this. <laughs> The Type R is amazing. We all know that. Yeah, it's a, it is honestly a, one of the best examples of of engineering put into a practical uh, application. It is probably the greatest hot hatch ever. Oh my god! My Other god. than the Harlequin Golf. Oh my god! <laughs> what? <laughs> Ew! Is no. that is that the one that went around the Nurburgring? No, it, the Harlequin dog. Dog. Stop. <laughs> um, no, the Harlequin Golf, it, back in the day, what they, it was it was like a parts bin golf. They took like panels from every different colored golf and just put it into one. Oh, okay. You know, like uh, like for, Har- Harlequin, like the Jester. Yeah, like the like that. It, it was just a golf that had all purpose? different. This is rally. I, I no no. It was, oh. they sold it. Okay, ew. Okay, all look. Right, type it in right now. Look, Harlequin Golf. Harlequino. Ew. Yeah. Ew. Literally just panels of different colors. It looks like a Gosh. Lego car. Yeah, it was an MK3. Oh, um, my God. And then they sold it as this. I think they just had an uh, okay, in, so, influx of different colored panels. So outside of your jest. <laughs> um, no, I, I, no. All kidding aside, mm-hmm. probably. What else is there? It has to be the greatest hot hatch ever. Okay, yeah. I mean, given given what it's been able to do, Yeah. And I, and I've driven it. I haven't driven it hard, but I have driven it. It feels it does feel special. And Hondas don't typically feel special. Hondas typically feel like exactly like like a Honda. Yeah. Right. They just feel like they're they're good, solid, reliable. That's what they feel like normally. But this car did feel special. I mean, from the from the bucket seats, the Recaro bucket seats to that that six speed uh, manual shifter, the clutch, the way that you're sitting in the car, the steering wheel, that big uh, because it's got the the aero kit on it, so you got to step over this like that's like six inch wedge yep. to get into the car. Uh, it's very, it just feels special. And um, if it was a little bit less absurd to look at, I would definitely think about trading the trading in the Accord. The only, uh, you know, I don't know, man. When I see them on the road, they're not, they're crazy. Yeah. But they're, I don't really see it as like yeah. uh, in your face. It doesn't look like a Honda Civic from 2012 that mm-hmm. has, it's lowered and has this giant exhaust and this huge wing. It has all that, mm-hmm. but it's done well. It, yes. It's manufactured to, for a purpose it, yeah i don't know I it's don't, just you know and, and, and i'm plagued by the typical thing it's that i see myself at a stage in my life where i wouldn't be comfortable driving driving that thing wearing a suit and that would be my only car so that's why it, it's a super fun and cool looking car but i just see myself you shouldn't in, look at life like that man i know i know, you know there's a guy i know john mayer Oh, here we go again with the John Mayer. I pick up my dog's poo wearing Patek Philippe. Is that what he said? Okay. Cool, John Mayer. We're not all John Mayer, Mikey. We have to be more realistic. It's a cool car. Who knows? Maybe a Type R is in my future. Hell, I work at, I work at a dealership. Foreshadowing. I love my car, and I and I don't think I'd get rid of it anytime soon. But, you know, say the, there's, the price is right, maybe a, a used Type R. I don't know. I, I could see that. But uh, I'm just happy to see... That uh, that you know there was a thorough test uh, that that went down because yep. we've been waiting for these four to be properly compared, and both in the data and the intangibles, 
right? And then, you know, the feel of the car and all the other stuff. The Type R was the clear winner. So uh, congratulations, Honda, on building a great vehicle. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what Subaru comes out with. Um, yeah, because they, they, now they, they know need to. Their back's up against the ropes. They they have to come back with something special. 2020 could be their year. Well, they've got they've got the focus out of the out of the way. Yeah, focus is dead. They're, if in case done. you guys have not heard, they they will I not think be coming they, back. They, they released their best RS, mm-hmm. and right before they kicked the bucket, which give another maybe five ten years, there maybe there will be another yeah, who RS. Who knows? There I'm might sure. be something but else th- coming. These out. cars are are they're not they're not meant to stick around. The Type R, I'll tell you right now, will probably sell this this iteration Type R for the next seven years. Yep, or, or maybe four, maybe five, seven. Which years. is great for the consumer. Yeah, you buy one early on, and, and your car lasts. The, the, mm-hmm. the thing, I don't know if it's just me. I don't think it's just me. Um, the worst thing is getting into a vehicle, mm-hmm. and then a year later, it's outdated. Yeah, you don't you don't want this thing to be like uh, like an iPhone. You buy one, and then you have to go and buy a new one next yeah, year. Exactly. If it lasts a long time. And you're, you're, that's a happy consumer. Exactly. You appreciate the, the purchase you made more. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, good on them. And uh, we're interested to see what comes next. And I think with that, uh, we will make the switch over to our second topic, our time portion mm. of the podcast. Um, I am a little bit excited to speak about this because obviously I'm excited to talk about my Aruba purchase. Um, I guess I'll, I'll just tell the whole story. Get right into it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I had no intention of buying a watch. I think I told you, and I've probably said on the podcast multiple times, I won't buy a watch until the CB 550 was done. Yep. And that was more for like the watches. Like I fell in love with that Autodromo piece. Um, the Autodromo group B, um, really, really cool watch. Great mm-hmm. story. Miyoto movement, but I got past that. I, uh, fell in love with the pole router, yep. the, the vintage universal Geneve. And those were all watches just above a thousand Canadian. So they were in, they were in a space where, you know, I I couldn't see them in person. I was, I was, I was reading reviews and trying to determine if it was a good purchase. And especially with the vintage, I mean, that's a, that's a gamble there alone. Uh, but I was, I was just very hesitant. So when I went to Aruba, I had no intention of buying a new watch. You know, I, I brought my, the watches I brought there, I brought the tag down and I brought my system 51 system 51. I like to fly with because it's so light and comfortable. Sure. Um, and the, the tag I wanted because it was a good, my only working diver, my SKX, um, is being repaired right now. Oh, it's still there. Uh, it's, it's back at Seiko Canada. So I think uh, last time I was, uh, and I spoke about, uh, yeah, last time on the last podcast, I spoke about what happened. So I brought it to Seiko Canada and they're going to repair it. They still have to let me know how much it's going to cost, but I'm sure they're just going to replace the movement. So I only had the tag Hoyer, um, uh, Aqua racer, my confirmation watch. So I brought that and, um, while in there while in Aruba, I was obviously in the ocean. I was reading on the beach. I was going to dinner and the tag fit all of those occasions really, really well. And I really enjoyed, I know this sounds weird, but I enjoyed wearing the tag in the ocean. Okay. I wasn't diving, but I was going out there and, and I was, uh, you know, I was doing it. things yeah. and I was able to wear my watch. And if you're a watch guy, you can appreciate that. If you're a normal person, you'd be like, what you wore, you wore this this thing that cost this much money in the ocean, you wore it on the beach. And, and you know what? Hell, I we went on an outback, uh, like a, an off-roading excursion where I was on an ATV and I got covered in dust and sweat and sunscreen. And this, my tag was bouncing around on my wrist. You know, like it could have suffered severe shock. Yep. Uh, I also then do, do, dove into a, a natural pool right off the coast. Like it was a, it was an excursion day. And here I was wearing this Swiss 
uh, quartz diving watch. And I'll never forget the fact that I was wearing it on the on that trip doing that stuff. So I kind of fallen in love with I always liked divers, especially because they're I, I love the aesthetic of them. I love the quality of them. And I like that, you know, they can they make a great daily versatility. Yeah. yeah, they're just they're just all rounder kind of watches. Um, and I'm pretty sure the only watch I'd wear on a bracelet uh, would be a diver. I just I like that dress watches. Right. I like to, to put a leather on. So um, either way, I, I enjoyed it a lot. And when we were, we were just shopping, we were, we went down to, um, a store. We ha- they have a boutique, um, in the, in the Caribbean called little Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, shout out to little Switzerland. Like it depends on the location. The first, the first store we went to, they were fantastic. Little Switzerland is a, is like obviously a Swiss boutique. They sell it's Swiss chain, watches. Yeah. yeah. Um, but for, for Breitling and Omega, they have, a, they, they have a separate section. Little uh, boutiques. Yeah. Which is really cool. So I went in and I was just looking, right? And I showed my dad the watches that I'd been looking at for for multiple years, the Speed Speedmaster and Seamaster, which I've both spoken about uh, on this podcast as, as being my my milestone watches. Yep. Like I, I really enjoy those two pieces. I enjoy the value and I enjoy the the aesthetic. Um, so they pulled them out and and they were great at that first location. They were they were really knowledgeable and they really wanted to make the sale. So then they told me that in Aruba. You don't pay tax on the purchase. Yep. They were willing to do 15% off MSRP. And at Little Switzerland, they had a uh, payment plan, a 24-month payment plan for anything over 5000 mm-hmm. A 12-month payment plan for anything over 3000 Okay. And this is US dollars. So I was like, oh, my God, like this could be my chance to get uh, a Speedmaster. They had the Hesalite uh, Sapphire Sandwich. Yep. Sorry. Sorry, not Hesalite. They had the Hesalite uh, manually wound with the steel case back Speedmaster, which is the Moon Watch, I believe. Yep, that is. Then they also had the Moon Watch Sapphire Sandwich, which is my ideal piece. Manually wound, uh, Lemania movement, I believe, or Lemania-esque movement. Mm-hmm. Um, it came in the... Oh, Mikey, if you had seen the box, it was insane. It was a briefcase. You open up. It came with the little... Um, the eye, what are they called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The magnifying glass. Yeah, but there's a special name for them. Sure. Uh, it came with the, um, what do you call it? The tool to change straps. Spring bar, spring bar tool? tool. It came with uh, a NATO and a leather hmm. and a bracelet, I think. Or maybe it was just a, a NATO and a bracelet. I'm not sure. But it was a beautiful case. Like This looked like something you transport a million dollars in cash in. Um, and they pulled it out for me and everything. And, and I was in love. I, I saw it, a beautiful sa- domed sapphire. Like, it was beautiful. And um, it was 54 U.S. Or maybe, sorry, it was 50, 53 U.S. Mm-hmm. And, the, of course, they had this 24-month payment plan. So I was thinking, like, damn, I, I really want this piece. I, I pulled that up, and I also pulled up the Omega Seamaster uh, Planet Ocean. Okay. And this was the 8900 caliber, so the newest Planet Ocean. The one thing about the the new Planet Ocean, and everyone, if you read any review, they'll tell you this: it is a can of tuna on your wrist, unless you have massive big wrists, which I think on your wrist it would be fine. Mm-hmm. It, on my wrist, it looked goofy, and this was a fifty six hundred dollar watch, yeah, uh, fifty six hundred US. So again, it applied for that payment plan. I just i 
when I was I was there, I was stuck. I was like, oh, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna buy a watch here, and it's either gonna be the Seamaster uh, Moonwatch Sapphire Sandwich, Seed sorry, Master. Speedmaster Moonwatch Sapphire Sandwich, or it's gonna be this Planet Ocean, which is a technological marvel, right? This Planet Ocean had a had a master chronometer movement. The 8900 is Omega in house. It's fantastic. Everyone rants and raves about it, but when I tried it on, I saw how thick it was on my wrist, and I thought I cannot. I mean, fifty six hundred dollars not a small amount of money. This will right. be the nicest watch I have for a long time, and I don't like the way it sits on my wrist and blah blah blah. They also had a Seamaster three hundred there, but in blue dial, mm-hmm. which I've uh, of course I, I love the Seamaster three hundred, not the Heritage. Um, it was right, the yeah, three yeah. hundred professional. Yep. Um, and I, I've li- I've liked it for a long time. I even like the Heritage. We remember that. Uh, I tried it on, and I was a little bit underwhelmed by yep. the Heritage, but. The professional always stood out to me because it's the Bond watch. That's the watch I grew up with being the Bond watch. So um, I tried it on blue dial, wasn't so impressed. I left the store that day and my dad tried to haggle them. He told <laughs> he was he was about to put the money down. Like I was not ready at that point to put the money down. But he said, if you give me the Planet Ocean for five, we'll do it right now. And this was like nine o'clock on a, on a Wednesday night. So they were getting ready to close right. and they still wouldn't budge. Like they, if they were going to make the sale would have been right there. Um, and I'm happy that, that they didn't because my dad would have jumped the gun and and put the money and then I would have owed my dad five grand. (laughs) So on a, on a planet ocean that I, that would have been a technologically cool piece, but not exactly the one that I I really, really enjoyed. So I walked away from it that day and that was a little Switzerland boutique that was in sort of near our hotel. The following day we went to the, um, we went to the like the downtown of Aruba, sure, where all like the the boats go and dock, and like it's a more popular place. This is where the cruise ships come, and yep, that, they have the all stores. the stores. Yeah, yeah, there's a big mall there and stuff. So we went there the next day, and walking around, you know, we stopped in Rolex. Stopped, not that I was going to buy Rolex or anything, but I just wanted to see what they had, nice. and yeah, cool stuff. Um, so we ended up going to an actual Omega boutique. Um, wait to stop you there. Yes. Um, what kind of stock did they have in Rolex? Not a lot. Really? Not a lot of the stuff that nothing in stainless steel. Yeah. Yeah. So they had, they had like all the regular stuff, uh, a lot of stuff in gold, Daytona's in gold, um, full gold or two tone, two tone and full. I saw both. Um, but any, like they had no Submariner unless it was a two tone. Yeah. You can't find them. Yeah. So I, I, I'm only interested in, in, in Rolexes and steel. Not that I would, I don't have the the means to afford one, but that's the style that I like. Yep. Um, so we stopped there just to take a look. And after leaving there, there's another, uh, large jewelry chain, at least on a, in Aruba. I don't know how many islands they occupy. Gemini. Gemini Jewelers, and they carry all sorts of brands. They also partnered with Omega to have an official Omega boutique. The thing that I didn't know, so Little Switzerland buys their watches from from the Omega boutique owned by Gemini Jewelers. Yeah. Because Little Switzerland, as a brand, they're like a jewelry store you'd see here, like Finch Center Jewelers or Loro. They, They are an Omega AD, but they are not an Omega official boutique. The... Gemini Jewelers, that that company, owns an official Omega boutique, the same that you'd see here. European Jewelers. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So when we went in there, it was its own store, right? It, it was beside the rest of the other jewelers, but it, it you know the walls that surrounded it, it was Omega. Yep. The 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 staff there were Omega representatives, um, and they explained everything to me. 
they explained to me that you know, if you buy from Little Switzerland, they, they try and sell you an aftermarket warranty, but you have to understand that aftermarket warranty is not Omega parts. You know, they, they put in whatever, they send it outside. If you buy from us, you know, you get this international warranty card that's, you know, for sure. And and all, all this stuff, like they they also made the mention that buying a watch from the Omega boutique uh, means that it came directly from Omega there instead of, you know, on a boat through the Omega store right, to right, right, another right. store and back and forth, you know. So... I was I was already, you know, a little bit happier that I'd found this boutique and didn't buy the watch from Little Switzerland, but also at this boutique, they had a, an all black Seamaster professional. Mm-hmm. And it's important to know that I was at a point, I had done all my research in, in on my vacation, you know, kind of a bad time to do research because you're impulse buying. Right. But I had I had pretty well told myself that if I'm going to buy a watch it's going to be the Planet Ocean. And it was after I I went to that Omega boutique and put on the Planet Ocean. I was like, what am I saying? This is $5,600 and it sits on top of my wrist. Yep. It's massive. You I, never know until you actually try something on. Exactly. Same. Uh, it's the same underwhelming feeling Unless I had. Unless it's a Panerai. Of course. Of course. Because Panerai's like, uh, like a fat opera singer. They carry their weight well. Um, but uh, no, when I put the Plan Ocean on, I just kept telling myself, for the money I'm spending, yes, I can justify it. Technologically, it's a great piece. But it doesn't sit you on my wrist. You'd never be satisfied yeah. with it. Yeah. Every time I look at it, it was like it was a tower. It's a big, big watch, and they're not making it any smaller. Yeah. Like they had us uh, for for the current generation, the eighty nine hundred caliber, which is the 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 proper yep. new Planet Ocean. It was a thick, thick piece, and it was after going to the Omega Boutique, I saw the Seamaster three hundred Professional in black. And I was like, wow, this is stunning. Like I've, I've liked this watch for a long time, but I've really only seen it in blue and black. It's much more subtle. It, it's harder to tell what it is. Um, it, it, it's sort of more of a versatile piece. Mm-hmm. So I left the boutique um, because they weren't budging. They told me it's 15% off, no tax, but that's it. So I, I left the boutique and uh, we stopped at the, another little Switzerland boutique or uh, another little Switzerland store right beside these jewelers. So not the original one I went to. This was the one in the, in the core of the downtown. I went in and I asked to see if to see if they had their Planet Ocean there, and they did have a Planet Ocean. Um, but I, I saw on the back, and this is thankfully because I had just been to the boutique, and they explained to me the difference to, between the new Planet Ocean and the old Planet Ocean. They had the Planet Ocean on sale for same price, um, but they said, "Oh, you know, we can work a deal, whatever." And I look at the back, and I see eighty five hundred caliber, and I see that the engraving is different on the back. And I'm looking, and uh, it's a it's a sapphire case back, but there was different engraving. And I asked the guy, I'm like, excuse me, this is the 8,500 caliber. And he's like, uh, and? I was like, this is not the new Planet Ocean. And he said, no, no, this is the new one. Uh, I said, no, this is the, the new one has, says 8,900 caliber on the back, and it looks different. And he said, okay, let me get my manager. Sure enough, after 20 minutes of waiting, the manager comes out. He says, look, this is this is the new one. You want it? We can do it for you. We can ship it to Canada if you don't want this one. Because I'll be honest, little Switzerland, that, that specific store the watches were wrapped in cellophane. Like it was, they, they were all, whatever they had was on display and had been touched and molested by yeah. all types of different tourists who just wanted to get an Instagram pic wearing the watch and, right. and give it right back. So uh, it kind of threw me off and I just told them, I'm sorry, I, I, I don't feel comfortable with this because I did not, the last thing I wanted to do was spend that kind of money on a store where of I wasn't course. getting the experience. Yeah. So we left after that. And after I had spoken with a, a friend of the podcast, uh, Honey Badger ninety four, I believe is his Instagram mm-hmm. handle. Uh, he actually worked at Loro uh, in Sherway, and and he's uh, he's a really really uh, big watch connoisseur, in my opinion. 
he ha- he has a lot of experience with Omegas and, and selling watches. I told him what um, the the Omega boutique was offering me for the Seamaster 300, and he said take it. Like he said over here, and even our, our mutual friend Eric, who we've had on the podcast, I called him and asked because he has family in the business. He said if they are if they're offering you a discount off MSRP, you're not going to get that here. No, yeah. Um, so I was pretty well set. I, th- I thought, okay, you know what? I'm going to go buy this Seamaster 300 because it was black dial. Never seen it before. I fell in love with it. Next day, we went over there. We got them down $200. You did nothing but go to watch stores. Basically, it, it, it I didn't even vacation. Uh, but no, we went there. They gave me 15% off, off MSRP, another $200 off uh, because I guess that was their margin. They, sure. they gave me another $200 off. Um, and of course, no tax. Um, the Canadian government pretend you didn't hear that. Because yes, I, f- I flew back and did not. I, you don't. You don't. You don't need to explain. Yeah. Good. Good. Okay. Good. Probably better that way. Maybe we'll cut that out of the podcast. Yeah. yeah probably. But um. Anyway. Yeah. So I uh, I made the purchase. Seamaster three hundred. The experience was great. They pulled the watch right out of the vault for me. So that was kind of cool nice. to see. Uh. The box. Oh my god. The box. Question. Did yeah. it come in the box? No. Came in a little plastic housing. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Like a little. Never um, been touched. Before. Like a shipping. Yeah. Good. A you shipping thing. Um, but the, the box was gorgeous. Oh my God. Yeah. Very impressed with it. So cool. It's that, that lacquered wood, yep. white leather on the inside. Uh, just very, very well done. A white Little push button. Uh, yes. To open. Yeah. And it's a it's vintage really nice. Omega button. Yeah. I was just, the, the whole presentation, everything was fantastic. And I have to say, this is my first luxury watch. I'm, I'm wearing it now. I've wore, I've worn it quite a bit mm-hmm. since, uh, since I picked it up and, uh, I, I love it. It's uh, it's just a fantastic piece. I love the way it sits on my wrist more than anything. It is a thin watch. It's uh, it's nothing special movement wise. It's an Eta base mm-hmm. with a coaxial uh, escapement. Um, no sapphire. Co- crystal. That's a common thing. Yeah, I mean you'll see it on any entry level luxury like your Panerai. Uh, yep. It's an Eta base. Yep. Manually wound. Your Eta or Salita. Eta. Eta. Yeah. Um, and usually what these, what these luxury watch brands will do, they, they'll put a stainless steel case back when they're, when they're using Eta movements. Yeah. The, even though the way sh- the, at Panerai, how they explained it to me was, um, it's Eta based. The yeah. Panerai makes their own movements. Mm-hmm. Um, with, with this, with the yeah, in-house movements mm-hmm. with this movement, they, they have nothing to show off. So why mm-hmm. it'll just make the watch more expensive. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you know, it's um, I I just really I really do like it, and one of the features that I never realized was awesome to have is a double double uh, AR coating, mm-hmm. AR standing for anti-reflective. This watch has it, and that means from every angle, I can see the I can see the face clearly. Yep. The reason why I never really thought of that before is something you don't notice until you wear a watch with it. It really speaks to how premium the watch feels. Does your Panerai does it similar? No. No, it's well, very reflective. Okay. <laughs> well, it's also, your Panerai also has a very domed yeah, sapphire. Yeah. Um, but it just, when when you're able to see the dial from every angle. It's quite impressive. Yeah, it's yeah. Really cool to look it, at. It makes it feel more more luxury uh, in that case. And, and you know, the, the bezel insert is ceramic, which is common on, on this generation. It doesn't have the wave dial, which I wouldn't have minded, but I also kind of like. I think they're really cool. I like them too. I just think that, that having the plain lacquer dial because this generation does Let's see it turn it it's just more subtle yep and it and it fits in like i can wear this with a suit and it's not so brash i do want to get a different strap for it to wear with a suit um because i the only thing that i don't like about it is it is a thick 
bracelet. It's very comfortable, supremely comfortable, but it's thick. And all, when you're wearing a suit, it's kind of it looks thick. Yeah. Right. It, it's a very uh, it's it, it it screams, and that's what I don't like about it. Uh, but yeah, everything about it, the, it's it is a chronometer. It's a chronometer grade movement. Um, now, interestingly enough, when I was doing my research before I bought it, I found out that there's a master chronometer Seamaster coming out. Obviously, master chronometer better movement than this. It's an in-house movement. I think it's the 8500 caliber that was in the Planet Ocean. They're putting into this watch, and that's coming out next year. And they're only going to charge a, a an increase of about 1500 or 2000 dollars Canadian um, on top of it. Just so you get to say that you have a Seamaster 300 professional master chronometer. I was just going to say that. Like, yes, mm-hmm. it's it's great to have a great movement. Yes. But, like, is it worth Is it yeah. worth almost two grand extra? That's, that's the first thing that got me caught up. And then I realized, hold on. The one reason that I didn't like, and, and that the, the new master chronometer coming out, it has the wave dial, so you'll like that. Cool. But it also has sapphire on the case back. And the one thing that I didn't like about the 8500 and the 8900 in the Planet Ocean is that you had a bigger movement with Sapphire Chris on the case back. It sat taller. Yep. It with That watch, I haven't handled it, but uh, it's being released in August. So you and I are going to have to go down to Loro yep. uh, sometime August, September. And we got. I want to go see that Master yeah, Chronometer sure. in person. I guarantee it's going to sit taller on my wrist. And that was the, the biggest defining thing for me is that how can I justify uh, spend more money for a watch that I don't like? Right. How uh, you know it, yeah, it makes yeah. no sense. It would just be so that I, when I'm around Omega enthusiasts, I can say master chronometer. So I've I've noticed that recently, even with um, my tag, mm-hmm. uh, because I as well did get a watch recently. You know, we'll talk about it at some time. Yes, yeah, so um, I'm sure it'll come up. And I, whenever I was looking into a new watches, I was always looking. To specifically get one with an open case back, beautiful mm-hmm. movement, something like that. And it always seems the more watches I get, they all have a closed case back. Um, yeah. And I've, I've been noticing the new watch that I did get is a 41 mil. Mm-hmm. So it's smaller. All my other watches are 45. Mm-hmm. Um, but the tag sits so high. Mm-hmm. It, it's ridiculous. It, it's so thick. It sits high. It's got the, the, the bubbled case back. And um, it's, it's the same feeling with that. It, I've just never noticed it because all my other watches have been massive. This was my smallest one, and it's a Panerai. Jeez, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you 100% there. It, it, it's, I don't know, the desire to have an open case back is there, but at the same time, it makes it that much bigger. Yeah. And that much more awkward on the wrist. That's what it comes down to. Until you, Unless you get into super expensive yeah. high-end watches the, where they can develop a movement that's super thin. Yes. And, and you'll you, like realistically, um, when I put on that Speedmaster Sapphire Sandwich, that had Sapphire. What happened with that? You, you, you it seemed like that—that's the one you initially lusted for, but then throughout your story here, mm-hmm. you just forgot about it. So I I realized because I I had it on and it was gorgeous. You could, you, it was literally Eric's got a Speedmaster. That's why. Well, no, no. Um, I, even if he had the exact one, like I would still. That doesn't change how much I like way. it. With, with with stuff like that, like if someone else has something, mm-hmm. I, I I I don't want it. it. Okay, I mean, if he had. Okay, but so again, I it's hard to say, say with Speedmaster because it's like a, there's literally so many of them, and and even even though his is a Speedmaster racing, it looks very similar to the the Moonwatch, um, in the in the size and proportions. Right. But 
there, when I had it on, I looked at it and I thought, this is a gorgeous piece. This is absolutely stunning. It's very basic. Like the dial is like a matte That's gray. That's what I love about it. Yeah. It's so cool that it's, and it is an icon, but this is my first luxury watch. And I'm at a point in my life where I do a, I, I do a lot of different things. I don't want to have to worry about this watch. I wanted to, I want to experience things with this piece because it cost me this much money and I want to, I want to sure. do everything with it. Yep. So I want, I wouldn't be able to do everything with the Speedmaster. Speedmaster, I would wear. Yeah. It, the weird thing is, it's a tool watch that I'd also be kind of have to be careful with because it's it has a water depth rating, but it's not that crazy. And it, I would never wear the Speedmaster uh, on a on a backpacking trip in the sure. desert or something. I would never go die, or I would never I would never jump into a pool with a Speedmaster on. Um, but that's what I wanted out of my first watch. So yes, it was gorgeous and I loved it. And if I already had a, a Seamaster, that I would have bought the Speedmaster, but. As my first luxury piece, I wanted something that I could I could experience my my job with. You know, like if I got a promotion, I could wear it then. If I if I'm going on a trip to Europe, I can wear it then. Yeah. You know, I I wanted it to be something that I could take with me because I honestly thought, and maybe this is me overthinking it, but I honestly thought this is a watch I'm gonna hand down to my future kid, and I want to be able to, I wanted them to be able to remember. You know, this is the watch that I saw my dad wearing all the time. You know, I have that with my dad and his Tissot. It's a Tissot. But I have so many memories of him wearing right. this season because he loves it. Yep. And that means more to me than his Daytona, which he never wears. Sure. Right? I Because that, that connects me more to him. Um, so that's something that, that I that really played into it because, fuck, I mean, this thing was uh, – I have no qualms uh, saying I paid 4400 Canadian for this, which is – I mean, this this has an MSRP of five grand before tax Canadian. Yeah. So forty four all in is not bad. Yeah. Um, but this is, this is not a small amount of money for me Mm -hmm. and I wanted to get the most out of it. So as much as, uh, as I am value proposition, this is still a value proposition luxury watch. If you put it that way. Yeah. yeah, There's a lot of, a lot of articles that will say like, what is the best, what is the best first luxury watch? And the Seamaster 300 comes up Mm -hmm. because of, of the nature of of a watch like this. It's just, it's well-engineered. It has a great following. It's, it's, uh, it's just a really good watch all around. So uh, end of the day, there were a lot of factors in this purchase. It was a bit of an impulse, but I tried to keep it value proposition, and I went with a a, a watch I had, you know, lusted for for a long time mm-hmm. and forgot about, and all this back and forth. But I'm so happy to have it now, and and I really do appreciate it. I love wearing it today. I was fixing the Vespa with it on. Like <laughs> those are things that I love about it. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I the yeah, just beautiful, love it. Nice. So thank you guys for listening to my story. Um, yeah. But maybe we should uh, move into, uh, I guess, our next, our, our big watch uh, story for today. Yeah. No, other than Anthony's uh, ego stroking uh, <laughs> accounts. No. Um, do you want to lead off the uh, the article here? You actually, I just found out about this today. Oh, yeah. You just right. told yeah. me about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but what he is referring to is... An acquisition of Watchfinder. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you that don't know, we're not talking about Watchfinder in Toronto. No. Because in Yorkville, there is a used um, and pre-owned uh, watch dealer. Luxury watch dealer. Yeah, yeah. Should, watch should Finder. them, yeah. Um, no, we're talking about Watchfinder and Co. out mm-hmm. of the UK. Um, as far as I knew, it was mostly just a, um, like a social media-based company that mm-hmm. reviewed watches online um, and 
today, I mean, this is me not looking into things, but today you mentioned that they are actually a, they do the same thing as Watchfinder in Yorkville. They resell yeah. um, timepieces. On a much larger yeah, scale. Yeah, on a huge scale. Um, and it was just announced that the Richmond Group, Richmond, Richmond, um, has acquired them a hundred percent of their company. Mm-hmm. Um, and what do you think about it? Like initial reaction to that? Well, I mean, I'm, I was uh, like, for, as far as me, we've spoken about Watchfinder and Co before. Yeah. We, Cause we have, we've told our listeners, like as far as video quality, they are fantastic. Amazing. Yeah. But Which be- I've seen a lot of comments below, like on their videos mm-hmm. and people do not like it. The, the, but whatever. Those, those I think we people, just like pretty those, videos. Those, yeah. Uh, I can appreciate when, I mean, when you look at the quality of their video, you can see like the dial membrane. You can see even when, oh my God, when they show you the, the movement of the watch, you can see the difference between uh, 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 a long a uh, machining on the, yep. on the, on the inner workings of the movement versus an Omega. And how the hand machining on the long a looks that much. That's that's what I appreciate about it is they're showing you things that your eye would never pick up because if you were ever to hold a three thousand dollar or sorry three three hundred thousand dollar watch, you wouldn't have enough time to analyze this. Right. And they're doing that. They're putting that that content out there. So, first of all, as far as their online content, if you don't like Watchfinder's content, you're not a watch guy. Go screw yourself. Like they they have fantastic stuff, and the the way that the guy presents it is done really well as well. Right. So. The unfortunate thing is that that's all I knew about Watchfinder. Yeah. I thought they were just like, you know, a, a, a bunch of enthusiasts who yep. sold watches. But learning more about this, and I'll be honest, I found out about it through Federico, which we've which we've uh, shouted out before. Federico has fantastic content. Um, Federico Talks Watches, if you're on uh, YouTube. He actually, because he is in the market, he sells used watches on Delray Watch mm-hmm. Supply, another great website, especially if you're looking for a more value deal. Yep. He's a smaller guy, so he offers, I think, uh, really good deals. But he was on the forefront of this story because it impacts his business sure. uh, specifically, especially since he, Federico himself, used to work for Richemont. Right, he, he did, yeah. He sold Panerai's. He sold, uh, who, who else do they own? They own everyone. They Everybody. Yeah. Richemont's huge. Um, but anyway. I, like you, and most of our viewers probably only saw Watchfinder as this entity who made great videos, mm-hmm. great video content. The reality of it, they sell pre-owned luxury watches. And that and they are one of the world's largest uh pre-owned watch sellers. Right. The fact that Richemont picked them up is huge news because this is the first time, especially an internet-based company like Watchfinder, I think they do have a headquarters in in, in London. Yeah. But um, and they are they do most of their sales online. Um, the fact that re- a company like Richemont, which is the old school, you know, we open a boutique, you come and buy a boot, you buy a watch from the boutique, and you haggle. The fact that they are they are showing so much interest in a, in a company that is revolution like uh, re- what's the word I'm looking for? Revolution. Revolutionary. Revolutionizing. Okay. They they are changing the way people buy watches, especially luxury watches, is interesting. But Frederico brought up a good point, and I don't want to take credit for this point because he's clear he has much more experience. Mm-hmm. This is his career, this is industry. He brought up a good point. He said that the Richemont group, given their size, they have a lot of watches that they're sitting on that are just sort of rotting away on their shelves. The unfortunate thing is that because a lot of people make these large purchases online, they tend not to always go into the boutique other than to try the watch on. 
So you have a lot of watches that are sitting in stock. Right. That, you know, these boutiques are not ordering more stock because they're just not, they're having a hard time selling them. Watch Finder is the embodiment of the new way of buying watches. And then by acquiring them, they can start loading a lot of their uh, stock that's sitting around onto the Watch Finder website. Right. And selling these watches through a credible source uh, that has a huge following. Um, you know, it just, it just, uh, turns into larger sales for them. So that's probably the, the, the larger reason why they're doing it. Also, the first thing that came to my mind was to control the market. Yeah. To yeah. control the used market. They, mm-hmm. they, if, if, if they sell a good portion of the used watches mm-hmm. and provide used watches to that company, they, they can control what the value of those watches are. Well, oh, I didn't even think about that. You know yeah, what I mean? Monopolizing that. Exactly. That, that, that's crazy. Especially the size that they are. Yes. Yeah. Hey, I mean, all good, power, sure. all power to them. I mean, they were already massive to begin with, um, and by quiet, by acquiring a company like this, they only they only grow in power. Yeah, we, um, we've we've talked about the the used market before and watches and values mm-hmm. and how absurd it is sometimes, and how certain companies are ruining it and and whatnot. And um, I don't know. Do you think this would affect it positively or negatively? <sighs> It's it's tough to say because vintage watches, which is what a lot of what Watchfinder Watchfinder does a lot of vintage, but they also do a lot of like like not I wouldn't call them vintage luxury, yeah, um like like subs and Seamasters and Speedmasters and GMT Master Twos and stuff um, that are maybe a couple years old. They're pre-owned, um, but what what's kind of scary is like you said, how the market can flip. Uh, now, so you have Richemont at, at the control of Watchfinder selling watches that, you know, let's say there's a, like we saw what happened with the Speedmaster jump up in value with the Daytona recently jumping up in value and the sub uh, jumping up in value. If it, if they are in vogue, values jump up, meaning pre-owned values jump up and who's going to control the values. Now it's one company who can sell you a new watch or the pre-owned watch. Like it, it's, it, it really is kind of scary when you think about where the values are going to mm-hmm. go. Um, and actually Federico, I know we're giving a lot, we're giving Federico a lot of press right now. He had a video uh, with his, um, with his partner, his business partner come out and they were talking about one of the watches they have on their website, a Chopard. Um, it's a vintage Chopard chronograph. Okay. It uses uh, a JLC movement. That's Jaeger, the go through movement. Uh, the same movement can be found in a vintage Audemars Piguet chronograph. Uh, however, sorry, I'm just getting a call here. Oh my gosh, this is awkward. Oh my god. Okay, hold on. Do you need to take the call? No, I just declined it from my laptop. Oh, okay. I I wanted to type a message, but I couldn't. I couldn't multitask that way. Oh. Anyway, <laughs> back to. Uh, so they had a they they had just recently sold an Audemars Piguet watch chronograph. It's a vintage mm-hmm. Audemars Piguet. It doesn't look anything like a Royal Oak or whatever. Uh, they had recently just sold it for five thousand dollars. They were selling this Chopard with the exact same movement, a Jaeger movement, for two thousand dollars. They said themselves the reason why we can sell a watch like that AP for that much more when it is basically the identical. Right. They looked very similar. Is because AP is in vogue. Chopard has lost their market share. Yeah, that's just that's one example of like literally you're getting these are old watches with old Jaeger movements that are identical. One is five grand, the other is valued at two, less than half. Simply because it, right now you hear AP in literally 
every every uh, one out of ten rap songs they're talking about APs and 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 the, all celebrities are, are talking about Audemars Piguet right now. Why I have no idea. The Royal Oak is cool, but I think the Nautilus is way cooler. So and it's more money. But um, I was just gonna say, yeah, yeah. But it's just uh, the the watch the watch industry is strife with with uh with what is popular and and mm-hmm. it's scary now you have a one of the biggest companies in the business acquiring a massive pre-owned seller that's only going to make the problem worse do you think um a company like seiko who's similarly a large company that owns a lot of s- smaller um watch brands do you think they'd follow suit i don't because there so. are other large resellers out there there's chrono 24 mm-hmm. the, um you, you don't think they would no, Seiko, I think just because they, they don't have to worry about sales. Um, they own so many uh, entry-level brands that are made. Like the problem is the Seikos aren't seen for the most part as luxury goods. Yeah, it's a different customer. They're base tools. Sure, yeah. Seiko would have to worry more about people just not buying wristwatches than they would have to worry about people buying $20,000 wristwatches. Mm-hmm. Richemont Group, they own companies. They own uh, Panerai and they own Piaget. They own um, uh, Vacheron Constantin. We, we we list them off last week, yeah. I think, or the last podcast. Uh, they have to worry. Crazy, like they yeah. they if they can't like if there's a big recession, people aren't going to be buying luxury goods like these, right? So they're they have to you know find their resources. Seiko, I mean, hell, if no one is willing to buy a five hundred dollars Seiko, they can buy a three hundred dollar Loris. Right. Or, uh, you know, like they can, they literally have so many avenues because they occupy a space in the market where these goods are fair, relatively attainable for the most part, at least in the Western world. Um, I don't think Seiko has to worry about that. I don't think that they'll be buying uh pre-owned. Hell, they may even already own a pre-owned uh, dealer, yeah, maybe. but I, I, I don't think so. Also, Seiko is, uh, as, as, a, as a company, is structured, I think, a little bit differently than, than Richemont. Richemont is a group. Richemont does not make watches. They they are a collective they are collectively yeah. owned yeah, yeah, right yeah. they own watchmakers, um, which is which was common after the quartz crisis. Right. Um, you know, look at the Swatch Group that that they needed to do that get these Swiss watchmakers together to deliver quality pieces and, yep. and combat quartz. How which would Seiko was the quartz crisis? They em- they embraced it for the most part, right? Um, and what you said about them being a group rather than a company that Mm -hmm. sells like that makes watches um because i was gonna say do you think that them now acquiring this used um watch company Mm -hmm. um would that then create that website to be technically an ad of those brands but the fact that it's a if they weren't already i don't think it would be I don't well, think what, what affiliation would they have? I think Watchfinder sits on a different level than Chrono Twenty Four. Um, I agree. I, I think that they are. They were Chrono Twenty Four is more um, like a, 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 a Kijiji s. It's like a forum. Yeah, like yeah. you can literally post with, and you're you're having Chrono Twenty Four is more of a hub for private sales. Yes, than it is like exactly. Watchfinder is selling you a watch they own. Chrono Twenty Four is, but I don't think they'd have the same security as an ad you would. know what i honestly man if you've seen the website 
yeah. pull up their I mean yeah, their, yeah. their website. I, I mean, as far as I know, that this doesn't mean anything. Anyone can make a really attractive website, but it, it, to me, I would put stock in their quality. Yeah, uh, and I I think that yeah, I don't know if they I don't know if they're an AD per se because it's hard to be an AD invent and use, but I, they they must be doing something. They had something going on. Mm-hmm. For them to get this popular and, and be this sought after, I mean, yeah. hell, they were literally bought by the people whose watches they sold, right? <laughs> right, like they they were purchased by them, so they must have had some affiliation. Hey, and yeah, if they weren't an AD, they are now. Think about it. No, I don't think they would be because if it's a group of companies, Richmond is they're not the brand. But but whatever warranty would be given, I don't know. I don't know. We'll, have we'll, to look we'll into that. Yeah. Um, but but hey, I knowing that they're 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 owned by Richmond, I'd feel more secure buying a lot. Yes, a hundred, a hundred, a hundred percent. It's not a random mom and pop shop. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. Good for them. I think that covers really all the stories that we had for today. All the stuff. I think we so. There's cover. still a lot more that happened in the last couple of weeks, but I think we can save it for. Yeah. Uh, that that'll come time. up more when we have more info on those stories. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and that's it. You guys, uh, you know where to find mm-hmm. us. Yeah. Instagram. Instagram. Man, it, when when we were recording back in the winter, I was like, mm-hmm. I cannot wait till the summer. I know. And you now, know, we can record, we can film, do all this and that, and, you know, life catches up to you. Yeah, sure does there, pal. But we <laughs> promise to have eventually, you video know, content sometime. eventually. Yeah, at some point. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll record Anthony's motorcycle sitting in the and garage. doing nothing. Yep. Maybe the Vespa after I get the clutch cable fixed yep. for the sixth time. All right, so I think it's... Uh, time for lunch yeah it's about time for lunch it's yeah. only 2 42 in the afternoon yeah. anyway thank you for listening follow us on instagram at time lapse podcast on twitter very popular <laughs> at time lapse podcast and uh yeah yeah have a good weekend enjoy the canadian grand prix thanks for listening mm-hmm.